0: Hello and welcome to Femme On Poetry Theatre. I'm your host, Ada McCartney. Each episode features an interview with a fellow poet wherein we exchange news, share work, speak on inspiration and dialogue about the process of etymological transformation. Thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome to the poetry theater. I'm your host Ada McCartney, and today I'm really delighted uh, to talk with a guest who is part of my poetry origin story, uh, Tracy Smith. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Happy to be here.
0: So, Tracy, what's your poetry origin story?
1: Oh, um, how far back do you want me to go?
0: As far as you like. Listen, Previous I'm lifetimes are fair game. Old.
1: Um, Well, I dabbled in high school, of course, a little bit, um, and in college, Um, but I guess really as far as performance poetry and slam poetry, it started in 1996 uh, in a coffee shop called Dirty's Outhouse (laughs) in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, I had just moved back from Texas after, uh, I spent a few years there after college and I just moved back and all my college friends and all my friends had moved away. So I was trying to find stuff to do. And I wandered in there to an open mic and that's how it all started. Uh, then Eventually, I got a job there, and then it went out of business, and I went uh, to visit some friends in Austin, Texas, uh, and it was the week of the South by Southwest Festival, and I, we saw a bunch of movies, and one of the movies we saw was uh, Slam Nation, which is a documentary mm-hmm. about the 1996 National Poetry Slam, and then after the movie, uh, there was a showcase of poets from around the country at a local coffee shop that was just down the street from where my friends lived. Um, so we went to check that out, and that's where I got into Poetry Slam. I met the guy running the open mic was Ernest Klein, uh, author of Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> he was just the guy setting up the microphone. I was like, oh, I could do that job. That's easy.
0: In Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. So that's the origin story and then you you were inspired, you hosted the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam for 10 years?
1: Uh yeah, the slam went for for 10 years. Uh, originally, like I knew I wanted immediately after being exposed to uh, the po- poets in, in Austin, I like knew I had to start a slam in Kalamazoo. That uh, was my new mission in life, like immediately. <laughs> uh, but I didn't really have the confidence to host it. Like I. I thought of myself more as a producer promoter. Um, I had friends who were way more talented and outgoing and, you know, extroverted than me. So initially, um, I got some of them to host the show. Uh, and as it went on, uh, partially because their lives became way too busy and, uh, also because in the beginning we were trying to do a show every week uh, there for a while and we would do one slam a month but uh, do like open mics on the other weeks. And uh, things got spread a little too thin like the our audience base got spread too thin. Mm-hmm. So we pulled it back to uh, every other week and that kind of consolidated things and, and then I got some advice from uh, Mark Smith from Chicago who invented Poetry Slam. So what? So what? I always say Mark Smith, no relation because my name is mm-hmm. Smith. and he really drove home the point, like he came to visit us out of the blue at one of our came shows came to see a show? Yeah drove drove to Kalamazoo it's not that far from Chicago but I was blown away and uh, he gave me some advice basically told me to get my shit together I wanted it to be you know really successful I had to take responsibility for it and that's when I started to, to really concentrate on my own poetry and memorization and performance and Learning how to do that host thing. Mm.
0: How I'm? Um, how did Mark Smith hear about the slam? Hear about your slam in Kalamazoo and and get the notion to come visit? Did you call him up? Did Did he hear about it through the grapevine?
1: Um, we went to let's see. He visited. I think it was sometime in two thousand and one. So we've been going for a little while. Um. But we had made a few, I'd made a few road trips, taking poets to to the Green Mill, to his show in Chicago and to uh, Ann Arbor. We used to go to Ann Arbor, their slam uh, frequently, at least every other month. It seemed like back then, I'd, you know, get everybody together and we'd take a road trip. Um, and we, had had a couple of teams at nationals so you know he was aware of us and i think he you know i we weren't like select we were selected because we were in driving distance but i think he just wanted to go out and see what was going on at other shows uh in the midwest and we were one of the places that he visited so that was
0: that's amazing so I know the slam cast is only at the moment you have episodes through 2000. Will there be an episode of Mark Smith at the Kalamazoo poetry slam or did he truly just come to spectate? I believe
1: he did a couple of poems for us. I am not sure if I've got him recorded. Mark was known for, and this is something I stole from him. He was known for occasionally doing uh poetry you know off mic uh, just to just to change people, it up change it up a little bit you know
0: that's where you got that that's um, where i got that and then i stole that from you um
1: <laughs> well if you're in a, if you're in a room where and you know you can project and everyone will be able to hear you uh in that space then there's no reason to not to unless you you're trying to get stuff reported Mm -hmm. that's been kind of a frustrating thing about doing the podcast is that there are scenes missing here and there because somebody's off mic yeah because somebody's off mic like you don't get the uh, like if you're interested in who's winning the competition you're probably not going to hear the scores (laughs) be read (laughs) but you know it was 20 years ago. Who remembers who won or, you know.
0: So you'd been wanting to do a podcast for a while. You have an archive built up from the 10 years of the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. How did how did this evolve from that that glimmer of wanting to do a podcast to deciding to do this archive activism and put out the 10 years of the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam?
1: Um, well, I, I always thought that I eventually I would... You know dump all those recordings onto a website somewhere and um you know because i wanted people to have access to them um well and then two two things happened uh one we took the we took the website down the domain finally expired <laughs> and You know, it was like having a a scrap, like an online scrapbook that nobody ever opened. You know, it was, it'd been there, it has been sitting there, but so we took it down. And then a few, I I think a few months or maybe a year later, um, we lost a poet. Um, did you ever hear Shappy perform? Uh,
0: Yeah, I did. Um,
1: Uh, and he passed and that, uh, got me thinking, thinking about those two things. Like I need to get, get the, get these archives out there where people can hear them. Well, before everybody, before I get too old, Mm. you know, Mm. I I waited, maybe I waited too long, but it seemed like a good time. It's been about 20 years or so.
0: And it's, It was particularly moving for me to hear Chris Ballmer's voice.
1: Uh, Yeah. He's the first guy I tapped to host. And he did a great job. mm. He hosted for a year and a half or so. I think I've got a few more recordings of him. Chris Ballmer. Mm. He was on the 1999. Let's see. He was on the first two slam teams 98 99 and then 2002 he took a couple years off
0: i he i think i met chris bulmer when he susan aiken brought him to our high school to do some poems he and beth bulmer came and yeah shared some poems with us that would have been would have been a little bit late a few years later maybe 2004 or five Um, but I that was then my gateway to the Kalamazoo poetry slam Um, and it was it was really powerful to hear him as a host earlier and and to kind of get the history of how it how it came to be and hear and to really hear the evolution of the show. From '98 to '99, I thought too that the way that you framed the prologue um, was rather brilliant. How did you how did you come up with with the prologue and the way that you kind of framed and
1: set up the whole show? Well, when I started going through the archives, I'm trying to do everything chronologically. Um, it's a bit difficult because my memory isn't like you don't remember things in the order they happened necessarily. And I didn't always like recording the show was, it was not the primary focus of the show. Um, so we, you know, we caught some things, didn't catch other things. Um, I would usually write the the name of the feature on the, on the disc and not necessarily the date. <laughs> And I always thought that well I, got, I, have, I have press releases and clippings and newsletters and all this stuff that I can refer back to. you know, if I ever need that information, it, was, it didn't occur to me that I might at, at a later date need to construct a timeline of things. It didn't even occur to me. And you know, 20 years later, I've got, you know, three inch floppy disks (laughs) and flyers that are in formats that don't exist anymore. And, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to reconstruct the timeline. Uh, But as I was going through the archives, I did find one uh, recording from the coffee shop uh, where, and that's really with the origin of their, you know, Half a dozen people who were really talented and didn't know anything about slam poetry, and neither did I back then, were doing open mic readings and and but I, I found that one recording from the coffee shop and I thought I had to I always try to honor what came before. You know, I didn't invent open mic poetry. <laughs> That's Been around a long time.
0: Um, I thought you, I thought you did a really artful job of of framing it and honoring what came before. Um, And to that end, so largely the focus of this this uh, this poetry theater show lives in a a femon collective, and we're a group of women who who do various podcasts from a, a femme point of view. And I think one of the things that really struck me about coming up in the Kalamazoo poetry slam scene. Um, and you kind of talk about this in the prologue a little bit, is is that you really created a safe and welcoming atmosphere for literally everybody. And I know it kind of started out as, as a lot of men in the beginning. Um, but one thing that really continued to, stri- to, to stay with me, both as I was taking part in it as a teenager, and as I'm listening back now, um, is how how much of a like pro-fem inclusive space you created in, in slam in Kalamazoo, was that um, something you were thinking about at the time, or was it just sort of the, the way that you were doing things?
1: It sort of grew, it was more organic, really. It, It was, we wanted as many people as possible to, to get on stage and express themselves. It was about creating a community and, you know, you can't create a community without women, <laughs>
0: <laughs> without, people. Well, without
1: people, you know, <laughs> and, uh, there were, there were two women on our first slam team. The only time like there, were 99 and then 2003 were the only time that we ended up Sort of arbitrarily because that's the way the scores came out uh, with all male teams mm-hmm. and it just i didn't i never liked the way that looked you know at a national slam because it's very diverse when you go to the nationals uh, but i think you know the, the great thing about poetry slam and I, I don't know if it's still that way i haven't been to lot of slams lately but it's it's about free speech and free expression and everybody's point of view uh to a certain point we never had to (laughs) like we never had any racist bullshit or you know
0: which i think is a testament to your hosting and the space that you created
1: well it just wasn't allowed like the the audience Mm -hmm is it's is its own arbitrator you know of what is acceptable Mm. and you know anybody who would have gotten up and spewed some bullshit like that would have been booed off the stage (laughs) that's that's one of the things i like about slam it's it's very egalitarian it's uh, you know Mm-hmm. I just got like as a host I just guide the show mm-hmm. I don't really have a whole lot of control over it I try to steer it in a direction but who knows if that you know Like one time we we did have a uh, a guy who was I don't know uh, it's divergent in some way I don't know you know who would know but, his, but he got up on stage and started reading out of his notebook. And it became apparent that he wasn't going to stop until he reached the last page.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> and, you know, we, we put up with it for you know, five minutes or five or six or eight minutes. I don't know how long it went on. But eventually, uh, Chris just kind of guided the audience and got them to you know applaud him off. And uh, there was another night when I was hosting and uh, a very drunk woman wanted to do a poem and she wasn't signed up, but she was just kind of adorable. So I let it happen because it was more entertaining than, you know. And then, you know, when it was over, we all just kind of looked at each other and well, but, well, that happened. <laughs> let's get let's move on with the show. But you got to take it. You know, you never know what's going to happen, really. Mm. And that's just one of the great beauty things, of uh, it. Anybody can walk <laughs> in and say anything.
0: Mm. So you haven't been to a slam in a while. I haven't either. Um, do what do you? I know this is a sort of an odd question but I'm curious if you have any any thoughts or ideas about the f- current state or future of slam and spoken word um and do you do you still write poems and perform them for yourself or in other venues
1: No <laughs> I do did, I am so like I I write sometimes i i write a poem in my head
0: mm.
1: and i don't i i don't have a i don't feel that need to get it down on paper and share it with the world necessarily it's more of a way to organize my own thoughts about something but mm-hmm. it's still it's still that mechanism that i would use if i were so more of a meditation, really. But I don't really.
0: I love that. Um, I would love to if you. I'd love to play. You shared a poem with me, and I'd love to play that now, if that's all right sure. with you.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Three stories. Oh no, I think I'm going to cut this in afterward because I just screwed the pooch on that. So this is where <laughs> okay. I'm going to put three stories. Um, okay. I moved That's the fine. file thinking that I was doing future me a favor and lost it. <laughs> <laughs> um, interlude with poem. So right. where's the work taking you now? You're maybe two years into the podcast. They're they're coming out. Where Where's the work taking you? Where's the podcast taking you as you're listening back to all of these shows?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, it is an exploration of my past. Personally, it's weird to I mean, it's always weird to hear your own voice back to you. That takes getting used to. But listening to, to these like 20 years later, I'm like, who is that guy? Who uh, he's He's very confident and he seems like he's having a good time. He's very outgoing and extroverted and not like me at all. <laughs> In some okay. ways, it's like he's a person I used to be, and I remember when, like getting to that stage too was uh, difficult. I've always been an introverted person, and I found that the slam was a great because it was only every other week. I could be extroverted one night, two nights a month. I can do that, and it's fun. But, uh, you know, I haven't done that in that way, you know, just it's a, it's a weird snapshot of my life and every, you know, everybody participated. It's, it's, it's interesting to explore memory in that way, hmm. things that you thought you forgot or hadn't thought about years like the that poem uh the three stories poem i forgot i wrote it really when you asked me to be on the podcast i knew i i remembered uh in 05 i did a feature at the show uh for my 35th birthday mm-hmm. um and i i never i'd never done a poetry feature before like a whole set and it was so it was a challenge for me like i i, I would always have i would always start the show with a poem i'd have one to close the show if we needed one you know i had you know several to choose from if the show got off track i could go i could try and you know bring up the energy or steer it in a different direction and, or if not not enough people signed up uh, which was hardly ever a problem once the show got going, but but I'd never you know done a feature, so I thought that would be a challenge.
0: Happy thirty fifth birthday
1: celebration. Uh, so, like when you asked for a poem to share on the podcast, I was like, I haven't read anything out loud. And another, th- another thing, I have, I'm dyslexic and I, I have uh, during school, my school years, if I had to read out loud in class, I would have panic attacks. Mm. So, you know, poetry slam was a huge therapy for me. And, you know, learning to memorize was very helpful if I could be off page if I didn't have those words in front of me tripping me up i I was able to connect with people a lot better um but anyway i discovered this poem that i had forgotten that i wrote and i thought it would be an interesting one uh for your podcast because it's i wrote a lot back then about writing Mm. Uh, because as a host of the show, that was kind of uh, a way to get people engaged and thinking about their own creative process and, and maybe encouraging them to to give it a try. Like, that, if that guy can do it, he looks like he's having fun. I, I could do that. It's not that hard. So I stumbled across that poem and I was like, oh, I forgot that existed. I think that's the only time that recording I think was the only time I ever performed it. Oh, wow. It was was a little bit longer than three minutes and and not that I as a host did a lot of uh, competitive slamming where I would have to worry about time limits, but yeah i don't i don't think i ever read that poem more than that one time
0: huh i i loved it um it's only it's only lived live once that's pretty incredible
1: yeah and to discover it again and be able to share it with people that was cool
0: did you so after that 30, 35th birthday feature i remember I remember you doing poems, but I don't have you. Did you do other features in other places? Did you catch the bug or was, was that challenge enough?
1: That was, that was kind of enough for me. Hosting the show was a lot of fun, but I was never, I was never into the competitive, like slam was always a means to an end. Like Mm -hmm. it was the gimmick we used to make the poetry more exciting, more, you know, get people to engage with it a little bit more, especially because you're choosing your judges out of the audience. And I would always try and pick people because I was hosting, you know, I recognize new, I'm terrible with names, but I'm good with faces. Like I've never seen that person before. I'm going to ask them to judge. So <laughs> I, would always, I would always try and get people who never come to the show to be part of the show but I never I was never one of those poets who wanted to tour or do like slam competitively Mm. Uh, I was on the slam team in 2003 uh, mostly because people kept asking me when are you going to be on the slam team and I got sick of it I got sick of hearing that Well, when are you going to be on a slam team? Uh, Oh, you know, I'll do it once and shut everyone up, type of thing. Yeah. I, yeah. And to challenge myself by that time, I thought I, you know, I could probably make the team and do a decent job. And it was more and more, you know, at that stage where I was trying to challenge myself a little bit. But in retrospect, that was like the one mistake. One thing that I, you know, we all have Bye. regrets, and I just think it was a kind of a conflict of interest, and it, it opened up different avenues for people to nitpick, and you know, and I just think it wasn't a great experience. Like,
0: mm.
1: wasn't but what how I, could you have known? It wasn't what it was. Yeah, I wouldn't have known unless I tried.
0: Mm. That's commendable to to try it. see what see what happens. Give it a go. Try and take on the challenge, even if it ends up being uh, in retrospect a mistake, as you say. So I'm curious, um, what's inspiring you now is are you are you feeling as you're listening back to things inspired by the trip down memory lane or are you inspired by other things in life? what's what's the burning inspiration in your life these days
1: or who it's 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 a bit of a uh, a paradox but i'm i'm inspired by the not needing not having that need to achieve like we don't use the word artist anymore we talk about creatives because it's a commodity it's capitalism it's you know, and I don't, I don't need to get my name out there. I don't need to, I don't have anything to prove. I'm not, you know, it's like when you're young, you want to build something. That was kind of what the slam was about, but it was also about community. What I wanted to build was a community and a family of people, you know, a chosen family, the family you choose. Mm -hmm. Uh, is important if you don't have that at some time in your life i don't think you're ever going to be happy And, and and it can't last forever i mean some of those friendships will like i'm still friends with lots of those people and have a extended community that still exists out there even though we're not all of us actively you know, participating uh, in slam anymore. We're kind of retired, moved on from that phase in our lives, but uh, the connections we made are still hugely important. And, you know, most people they make friends at their job, and they're you know so focused on <laughs> on trying to live in this capitalist dystopia. <laughs> mm-hmm we've been born into and it's you know it's tough and uh, so the slam for me while it, it was happening was like a candle in the darkness you know it was the it was important that was important to me at the time and and now i guess i'm a more zen about it <sighs> I don't know, a little more relaxed about it. As you were
0: talking about earlier, writing poems in your head as a form of meditation without the need to put them into the world. Um, there's there's freedom in the anonymity and being being an artist, lowercase a.
1: Yeah. I'm still, you know, create, uh, your own life as your art, as mm. your creation can be just as fulfilling as i mean you can't exist completely in a vacuum but you you don't have to uh where was i going with that
0: the life that you create as the art yeah I, i love
1: that no i'm not worried about making a you know making a mark anymore
0: but rather, inspired by the day to day, the art of making a life, as it were. Yeah. Um, but i, I I've
1: always have I always have to have some creative outlets, some project, and that that could be that could be landscaping, that could be anything. I uh, I've gotten back into tabletop role playing, which is something I gave up for many years oh and you know i have gotten back into that with friends in the last couple of years a highly creative endeavor that's been a lot of fun um got it kind of akin to well i've never done this but i uh heard people talk about it and i gotta think it's it's something to writing a tv show or you know you're you make you're creating a story mm-hmm. as, as a group of people uh, i find that to be that's a lot of fun
0: and i not, i don't have a lot of experience but my understanding that as the when you're facilitating that game when you're the the person leading it you're really facilitating and hosting everyone else through the story and sort of acting as that that guide in a way that seems kindred to hosting a poetry slam
1: yeah i cre- i create an outline for for the story and and then people bring their own you know characters they decide how the characters move through that framework, but we've accumulated. uh, It's, it's interesting having, that was something I did in high school and college and a little bit after college. And I gave it up for about 20 years. And then, you know, you go back to it and you realize that we all know more about stories and how to tell them than we thought we did (laughs) or than we did you know 20 years ago Mm. you can study uh, I studied how to create stories like I was an English major I know every all that stuff that I you know learned uh is now just sort of internalized. And I think it's the same thing, you know, it's the same thing with musicians. It's the same thing with any kind of creativity, your performance, you do, you do something long enough and you become good at it. Mm-hmm. So I find that, you know, going back to role-playing games in my early 50s is way more fun because the, like... I, know how to tell a story now Mm. and and everybody else knows you know has similar knowledge that they've just internalized
0: so you can really have fun with it a little bit more rather than focusing on the how to
1: yeah because those kind of games can be you know some people like the minutia of and the you know the statistical challenge and the numbers and and with us it's more it's a lot looser it's more much more just telling a story and it's mm-hmm. you know guided in some ways by the occasional rolling of the dice to see
0: I had no idea our conversation I was going to go to tabletop role-playing and the storytelling <laughs> there in today but I'm so glad that it did um as we're kind of Easing toward the end of this conversation, Tracy, what's news in your world? What's the what's the news in Kalamazoo, and what do you make of it? Or in your immediate vicinity?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of out of touch. Like I don't go out into the like world all that much. I'm kind of retired and semi-retired that's news Um,
0: congratulations
1: thank you like i i have a rental property that i have income from so i'm I'm sort of a property manager but unless something breaks that i gotta go fix you know i i'm pretty much on my own i read and i do the the right for the the game that i'm running and I do this podcast thing. That's my new creative project. Is going through the archives, and yeah, you know, at for it, at first it was getting everything into a digital format. Like we, I recorded all on on CDs and mini discs back in the day, so I had pretty good recordings. But I still had to you know convert all of those into MP3s so I could tweak them you know no small bit. task and, well yeah because in a live recording some people well in in a setting where you've got anybody can be you know the open mic or in even in the slam anybody can sign up and not everybody's got a lot of uh they've all got various levels some none uh, of performance you know like being behind a microphone and so some people are way too close to the microphone and some people are really quiet and shy you know so you got to get in there and you know to make the podcast you got to get in there and tweak the volume levels and filter out the noise a little bit and sometimes I'll I'll sometimes I'll make edits if people are uh, get up there on stage and are flipping through their notebooks trying to find the poem that they thought they had and like can't now they can't find it all of a sudden and you know
0: fast forward the three minutes of yeah, like, page flipping
1: yeah we can just clip that 30 seconds of awkward silence and page flipping <laughs> that no one wants to hear in a podcast you mm. know
0: well thank you for for doing this work and bringing, bringing that archive back online and uh, and putting it out in the world.
1: I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it should be like, we're, I'm just about to get started on recordings from 2001. Um, and we have recordings through 05. So I'll be doing this for a couple years.
0: Right on, um, and I'm going to I'm going to link to your podcast in the show notes. Um, is there any where else that you would like listeners to find you online and other ways that they can support your work?
1: Um, well, we got a uh, Facebook group for the uh, KZU Poetry Slam. That's an, an easy place to. Uh, find links to the podcast um, I don't do a lot of social media I'm on Facebook That's about as far as I got great it, it works for me I can filter out most of the noise
0: that's important that's more and more important
1: I find that Twitter is all all noise and I I, I just don't want I don't engage with it
0: <laughs> good for you um Tracy, thanks for joining me, and thanks, thanks for, for talking about the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Thanks for the invite. It's been my pleasure. Um, Tracy Smith, Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Link in the show notes.